Hi guys, welcome back to We Dive Deeper, episode 7. I hope you all like the episode of my dad. Uh, it's been getting such a cool response. A lot of people shocked at how chilled and... I don't know, I, I still haven't found the word for my dad yet, but lots of positive feedback, so thank you. Today my guest is Orla Gartland. I've known Orla now probably for about 10 years, I think. Um... Back when I was a solo artist, she came to my Dublin show. Um, We were fans of each other from the YouTube days, back when covers in your bathroom were a cool thing. Still cool, right? We did some writing together, and we've just been kind of supporting each other ever since, going to each other's gigs every now and again, and it was so cool to catch up with her today. I am sure you know who Orla Gartland is, but if you don't, go and check her out such cool pop music she's really found her sound now and you can tell she's so comfortable with who she is and what she's making and it's just a pleasure to witness I'd just like to say thank you so much to everyone who's sharing the podcast who's tweeting me about it who's dming me on instagram it means so 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 much and I'm so grateful because this is such a joy to do and I'm having the best time so thank you for listening and if you do feel like leaving a review or a rating or just leaving me a comment on instagram please feel free because I'd love to hear your opinions and feedback And also don't forget you can support the podcast and me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Kate McGill. You get the episodes earlier and I'm figuring out how to give you guys more on there. So any feedback, let me know and I'll take it on. But I won't waste any more of your time. Here is my chat with Orla Garland. Hello. Hello. Is this strange? No. Are you nervous? No. Okay, this is a good start. Are you? I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're meant to be the one putting me at ease. I know, I'm meant to be confident at doing this, but alas, I am shitting thyself. Okay, so my first question, I'm not going to go straight in with the 70, just because I have one. Can I ask you about the 70? Because I've listened to the podcast. Where Where have you got these questions from? So I've kind of handpicked them from lots of different places. Okay. Um, question cards that I have myself, some online, some that I thought up. But some you've that curated I've the list. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Is it cool or is it really weird? No, it's great. Okay. What I thought it was when I first listened um, was like a prescribed list that you found somewhere because there's like a couple of those on the internet. There's one that's like... 25 questions to make you fall in love with oh, someone. Oh, yeah, no, Like, I've those kind that. of things. Yeah. I thought you'd got them from somewhere, but no, you've made the list. That's yeah, cool. no, I've curated it, like a playlist. Okay, so I... Your EP comes out on May the 24th, right? And am I, am I right in reading somewhere that you said you're a people pleaser? Yeah, relentlessly so. Me too. But why <laughs> do you think that is? Because I'm so intensely a people pleaser, and I'm forever trying to think where that came from. Um, are you familiar with, um, I'm not usually into things like this, but I do find it quite interesting, the Enneagram types? Is that oh, is that, that the, know? like, the INTP, that personality? Not that, there's just nine types. Okay. I don't, not usually, I'm not into horoscopes or, like, a lot of this kind of stuff, but I do find this particular one quite interesting. And there's nine personality types that each have titles that I'm not familiar with all of them but you answer a bunch of questions I'll make you do it after just because okay. it's really interesting and I am um, of the nine I am type nine which is something called a peacemaker okay oh my and god I can guarantee I think already that I'm the same one the peacekeeper and it's just when you when I read that type I identify with it so much and it's basically yeah they're not like really specific it doesn't claim to like tell you the future or it doesn't go into that much detail but it does give you like just a really interesting kind of typecast and with the nine it's like yeah you hate like I hate conflict that is like true I just like want everyone to be okay all the time I'm like very wary of like is everyone else enjoying themselves like I always put everyone else's needs like before my own to my own detriment which I think is kind of being a people pleaser so I'll make you do this like question air thing I don't know you just get them online but it's it's really interesting were you like that in childhood? I think I've always been like that, yeah. Really? I think it's always showed itself in different ways. Like, I was way more attention-seeking when I was younger. I remember, like, I was very, like, class clowny. Like, wanted everyone to think I was funny. I think I'm less like that now. Well, I, I'm still attention-seeking in a way, but, like, yeah, I think I've always been like that. I wouldn't say you're attention-seeking. Would you? It doesn't have to be the bad side of attention-seeking, but I do, like, 
put myself on stage, like, <laughs> and, like, broadcast myself on the internet and, like, I mean, that's, like, very, like, that's, you know that. Yeah. And, like, and, and you do that and we know lots of people that do that. So it seems normal, but it's not really, is it? True. Although having been on this tour recently, I have realised how much I just don't like it. <laughs> like what? Being like on stage? being on stage. And, in fact, even... I just find it all so uncomfortable now. I think there was a period of life, obviously, when I got into music. And I guess everyone kind of... There's a thought when you first start making music. Like, yeah, I love music, I love songwriting. But it would also be really cool to be famous and be known yeah. and all that bollocks. <laughs> but now, oh my God, so uncomfortable. I really couldn't enjoy it because... Even afterwards, meeting people, it's so cool to meet the people that listen to your music and have those connections. But because you are this person they've come to see, there's automatically this like mm. power shift that just feels horrible and uncomfortable. And I wish I didn't feel like that, but I think maybe over time I've realised, my God, I do not want that attention anymore. But I very much did, and I don't know where that changed. I think the fact that you're just even aware of that is good and is enough Mm. because what what side of it makes you most uncomfortable because there's a difference between being on stage in the moment performing in front of people mic in front of your face here's my songs here's my message whatever and then the like meet and greet like idolizing to me that's like two separate things I feel far more comfortable with like performing than I do with the like social aspect of being someone that someone's paid to see yeah I think um, I think I agree with you there. I definitely feel more comfortable on stage, but only like slightly more. Mm. I think probably that has a lot to do with weight. I think mm. and like just appearance-wise, because that that just can't be avoided in this kind of industry, can it? Or the least you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's just drastically changed over maybe what the like the last year or two. Mm. Um, even being on stage now doesn't feel that great anymore. And that's a scary thing to say. Obviously... No, but I think it's important to, like, admit it as well because there's this, like... There's this almost... Um, there's a, I think it's a bit of a myth, almost, that once you break through the nerves, once you've, like, performed enough that it's comfortable, that it's fun from that point, like, once you get through... And I think that point can take years to get to anyway. But... Actually, I found that, like, my enjoyment of being on stage, like, always, yeah, directly correlates to, like, my self-esteem or, like, how well something in some other irrelevant aspect of my life is is doing. Like, I feel more or less comfortable in that environment. It's not that once you get past the nerves and once you get past the stage fright and the that that it's just fun from that point. Like, I've found, like, I've enjoyed it and not enjoyed it as much at completely different points in my life. Wow. Like, the way you have now. But you've always been quite nervous. Yes. Well, like, well, maybe not always, but, like, I remember seeing you first in Dublin when I was, like, bought a ticket to come see you. (laughs) How weird is that? I love it. Um, And we have to talk about that at some point, like, our weird interwoven past. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... But it was like, Ireland does this really annoying thing that they still do, the promotion companies, where you can't have a a 14 plus or an all ages evening show. You have to have a... I remember that. An 18, all the evening shows have to, or any venue with a bar, which is every venue, um, you have to do an 18 plus evening gig or like a weird, if you want to have an all ages show, it has to be like a weird Saturday matinee. I remember doing that. 2pm doors thing. And I remember you being oh I mean that is a nerve-wracking situation anyway like 2 p.m. doors is so weird and you was it was a solo tour I think you were on your own was Tom playing with you or someone I think no I think you were completely on your own oh god yeah but I remember you be like just seeing you before I wouldn't have known it on stage but I remember you were just like <laughs> yeah ner- nerves I think as well that's why I found this tour not as enjoyable is because this whole where did you play just now. um just we played in Brighton Bristol London and Birmingham Mm -hmm. um but because I've spent the last kind of what half a year because it's been such a crazy time in life anyway I've had to really I guess 
like learn what actually makes me happy now and I realise that I'm quite an introvert and I like being at home and like reading and meditating and I don't know I've shifted so much as a human being Mm. and so now like being on the road and being feeling that like anxiety all the time I was like this doesn't feel good Mm. and beforehand the nerves was part and parcel of all this like the passion and stuff that I wanted to do but now now I'm I'm sitting there nervous and I'm drinking alcohol because I'm nervous and I'm like this isn't good for me anymore Mm. um and don't get me wrong there are bits that are so enjoyable but on the whole when I when I'm just focusing on me and my brain and like my body and how it's feeling I'm like shit this it's scary how much I was aware of how anxious I was and Mm. Um, and also at that level of touring, like it's it's the slog level. Like you don't have money for the crew, and you're there's so much gear, and you're lifting it up and down stairs, and it's like it's tiring as well as feeling all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I was kind of plucked out of my little comfort zone at home, where I could be myself and focus on myself and what made me happy. To then being in that environment again, I was like, oh holy shit, this is mm. different now. Do but you... that's good to know. I think that's just you. Become, like becoming more comfortable with yourself and getting and knowing yourself more and I think I don't know if you felt this way but like when I speak to someone who maybe isn't in a music or any creative industry um I think there's a pressure sometimes when you're like living the dream to like ha- a forced kind of gratefulness yeah all the time you know like you're kind of like oh touring is really difficult but you know so glad to be doing it you're like and there's always this like don't want to appear like I'm not like really grateful for all the luck that I've had and actually I don't know being a musician in particular is like so there's so many different pockets of skills so many different experiences and you can enjoy one without enjoying the other you can enjoy writing and recording without enjoying gigging and you can be good at one and not the other and actually that's fine it just so happens that we exist at a time where you're expected to do it all and be your own PR person and look at me here I am on a podcast with gay you know it's like that's all just like different skills but I think it's really cool and refreshing to hear someone be like I don't enjoy that aspect of it because it doesn't make you any less good at the other bits like you know who Enya is yeah Enya never gigged she existed at a time where you could just be a recording artist wow that's just not a thing anymore like we have to gig it's just how it goes it's expected but like if we exist at a different time of music you just you would do gigs only if you wanted to yeah so it's like I don't know I think it's good to recognize what you don't like are there bits that you don't like that you kind of struggle with in the industry in your career yeah. or do you just love all <laughs> I just love I all just of it, fucking love God, it all. how annoying would that be I do I really like gigging now but I feel like it took me so so long to get there like literally maybe really? only in the last year if I actually really enjoyed it Why like I genuinely do feel I do but I, like I, I don't think it's been that way um I just don't think I was proud of like my live show like I felt I was like mugging people off for a long time like and I felt like they were buying a ticket to take a chance on something that I wasn't that certain about yet because I just wasn't happy with like my like level of performance or like I still had to figure the band thing out or like there was still so many songs I had to write to make the set list feel complete or like there always seemed to be something missing and so wow, for I... me I, I up until like very maybe the last like I played a couple headline shows last May after like a long time of not and from that point I think I felt comfortable with like the idea of people paying to see me but yeah up to that point I don't think I was and I mean you're doing so well now objectively like I, that's how cool it is to be your friend is that that sounds so weird but to have been there with you from our kind of like tiny little youtube days and the dublin matinee and stuff it's very very cool to see how fucking far you've come and even just like your spotify and like the artwork and shit and the fuck i mean the music speaks for itself but it's just so good and i feel like you've really found your fucking style now oh thanks and it's just fucking cool to watch how's it yeah again I feel like comfortable with it now but like you know in you know in the interest of being honest which is the whole point of this thing like I, I did push through like so many years where I didn't feel that good about it and in the same way there's like not just a simple like uphill thing like I do feel comfortable with it now I'm like proud of the music proud of the show but like I'm very open to the fact that like that will meander again and I'll go into some kind of like 
pits of not being able to write something for it. You know, it's like I'm grateful for where I'm at only because I've definitely had years and years of not feeling comfortable with it and lots of near misses and lots of um, maybe let's quit and lots of lots of that. <laughs> yeah. There like, is a hell of a lot of that. Do yeah. you struggle with comparison too? Oh yeah, of course. Because I mean, you have you're surrounded by people that do it all the time. Hundred percent, yeah. And it's funny because people always say it's very easy to be like, even if I try not to compare myself to people, um, other people will. Like it's not about yourself. It's not about me going, oh, I live with Lauren, I better not compare myself to Lauren, oh, I better not compare myself to Kate, I better not compare myself to Dodie, even if I can, like, be comfortable in that in myself. And I think I've made, like, some progress in not, like, trying not to do it, but other people will always do that. Like, Yeah, so that's a hard even, pill to swallow, isn't it? Yeah, so even if you get to a point where you're not, like, directly comparing yourself, like... You know it's happening. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah. course. And that's just how everything works, that's how... YouTube will link us together in some algorithm and like Spotify will all be in like fans also like so like, there's lots of like I think even if you make really good like personal progress with it there's That's still true, like so, you can't get away from it yeah I hadn't no thought one's fault, about that but we are grouped like yeah. whether we like it or not I hadn't thought about that that's so true the, the Spotify like yeah that's very true and as well I mean what are your opinions about being a woman in this industry because I mean is no fucking what's the word I'm looking for? Picnic. <laughs> is that right? It's definitely not a picnic. <laughs> but like I've I mean, I've put on what, maybe like two stone in the last four four or five years, and mm-hmm. that has undoubtedly had an impact on my self esteem and confidence. But also it has made me think twice about like every time there's a photo shoot or a music video, I'm crippled with like oh my fucking god like I look at the Nina Nesbits of the world and basically everyone in this circle is essentially a size eight and I'm like fuck me and I remember our old manager telling me he was like my daughter and it was a compliment don't get me wrong but she was like my daughter thinks um he sorry is that you're kind of a great role model for you know like curvier women type thing in the industry and that was really meant as a compliment and oh god but obviously when you're in that world you're like okay so I'm the fat one (laughs) but it's it's not like that but that's how my brain perceives it so I think that Mm. and as I'm doing it I'm squelching my fat (laughs) (laughs) do do you do you get that too yeah I get it a lot I feel it feels so sad that that's a thing I know but it, it, it I think Personally, the only people that think about those things are people that work in music. And I mean this also with age, which I think about a lot as well. Yeah. With the kind of... Well, I think the more and more you delve into, like, the world of pop specifically, that side of music, um, and you have all these, like, super young, like, Billie Eilish people who are, like, 10... And, I, and I'm and I'm like 24 and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm 48 in pop star years. It's like, it's so silly. But also I have to remind myself that like, I don't think regular people that listen to music, like even me, even being in music and knowing what I know of the industry, I'd never hear someone like on a playlist out of context, then do a bit of research in them to be like, wow, they're older than I thought. Yeah. I, don't, I like that less. Or like, oh, they look like that. I like it less. Like, I think we our brains are wired that way because we've heard manager types, A and R types like spout out this tripe, which yeah. is so damaging. But I just try and assure myself that I don't think actual people care about that kind of thing. It seems like you've got a really good head on your shoulders. <laughs> God, it does. But I, I guess it's taken years and years and years of this same old shit coming up for yeah. you to Well maybe your that's own not brain. to say that I feel like, you know, absolute like, you know, indestructible but yeah I just I'm lucky to like know people like Lauren and you and people I can like talk to about these things and yeah once you say it out loud it feels all like a bit more silly it's not like to in I don't want to like invalidate it or you feeling that way because like it is shit and and it it is something that people but it is also silly really when like you say when you say it out loud you're like this is so a non-thing yeah um and it's I mean it's cliche as hell but it's the the people that you connect with and relate to and meet like who was I talking to the other day you know Aqualung yeah he had that strange and beautiful song um I met him for coffee in Bath 
name drop. It's not really a name and drop. And he, he was so um, funny. He produced the Leanne Le Havis album, right? Yeah. This is so funny. So I'm, I really want to meet this guy. Oh, really? Because I'm so obsessed with that he, album. Yeah, he's so cool and weird and wonderful. But I was talking to him about um, produ- or like writing together. Mm. Um, but by the end of it, we'd spoken so much about life and each other's past and stuff that um, he was like, it's really not about like the music. It's never about the music. It's always about the bits in between, like mm. us meeting mm. for a coffee and having this chat. This is the stuff that we're going to remember. It's not about all the other stuff. And I've just really found that to be true, mm-hmm. especially with social media and everything being so fickle and gross and horrible it's it's always about these type of things that make everything special it's never about the weight and the glamour of it yeah it's just the conversations the connections and yeah I don't really know where I was going with that but I guess yeah you're no, right. I get you I mean you're kind of answering your, your own question in a, good, <laughs> in a good way but like I think that's it it's like I definitely as much as anyone if I'm doing like a video or a photo thing or a gig or like having just a, a day where I don't feel very good about how I look like I yeah I'll definitely like just talk myself into a hole <laughs> and be like oh my god this is worse like why am I like choosing to exist in a appearance-based industry like why am I doing this to myself <laughs> but then like you said you just have to try to distill what you're doing something like actually meaningful yeah I don't know yeah, it's weird, but uh, yeah, but also I don't think it. I, don't, I also don't think it's silly to have those worries because I think they're like, yeah, they're kind of the kind of people I've heard like, you know, I don't know, talk shit about someone's age or weight or how they look. It's like there are always people that work in music, so it's very like, it's hard to get away from it. It does seem that way. Okay, let's pick an actual question. One mm-hmm. to seventy. Have fun. Okay, thirty-two. Okay, have we had a thirty-two yet? What happens if you get a question that someone else has already... Oh, just who cares? Different different people. Mm. Uh, what did you last do for someone you really love? Mm. God, that's a good question. Because um... you, you've recently gone through a breakup like me, right? <laughs> yep. Stake in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> They're really, yeah. really fun things to go through. I know. So when did you... When did that happen? Um, mine was... <laughs> I was um, <laughs> early February. Mm-hmm. What about yours? Last November. How is it? A couple of months on. Um, still quite stingy. I really wish that I didn't think about it as much as I still do. Um, but I don't think it's helped by the fact that I haven't been home much. I feel like I haven't. I did a tour in November and then been away since the start of February, so I haven't had much like time in my flat in my normal life that is like the same life minus that person right okay. so I think in that way it's taken longer to heal it could make sense when I think about it but I've been so distracted in a good way that I think it's kind of dragging it out a little bit okay how do you how have you dealt with it what are your kind of go-to things that make you feel better and make you heal hmm do you I don't know. Any? I'm still figuring it out. Please give me any advice you have. Oh God. Um, but it, I, I understand your situation is probably a bit more complicated because you were living. Yeah, together. we were living together. I wasn't. So okay. I mean, it's, that only makes it complicated for the very what like first couple of days when you got to do the move out and yeah. But then there's a lot of logistics. You know, you probably had to consider it. But yeah, um, that be. definitely made it difficult. But do you know what? Even for me, as this very sensitive, emotional, and like crazy in that relationship person that bit wasn't the hardest bit I think much like everyone it's detaching yourself from someone that you love obviously Mm -hmm. who you did everything with and Mm -hmm. um I guess for obviously it does depend on who did it and what the circumstances were but for me I would say um just not beating yourself up is the main thing. All the mm. kind of classics that you read are just so true. Not beating yourself up, even even if things did go wrong that you did, the, I guess with like any loss, if you can take anything from it, that's going to be amazing. So mm. I kind of look at the relationship and make sure that I figure out all the things that I really did do wrong and could have been better. And I've realised that I have a wonderful knack for putting people on pedestals and thinking they're the best fucking thing mm-hmm. ever. And then in doing that, 
slowly but gradually I lose myself in a relationship wow. and don't do things for myself and mm. I start saying no to kind of meeting up with friends because I'd rather stay in with this person and it happens yeah. so gradually but by the end of it when that person's taken out of your life for like fucking hell I've completely lost myself again so that's now that that's a conscious thought and I've learned that I now know going into future relationships that's a pattern that I do so I guess yeah the only but I think good... to, uh, on the on the contrary because I think I'm different with relationships. I think I'm like sometimes to my detriment. I'm almost the opposite of throwing myself in. Like I'm very very cautious person to be in a relationship with. I'm not like a fast mover. Let's move in together. Let's do this. I'm like a very like tiptoey. I've been hurt before. I'm just gonna go in with my eyes closed and please just bear with me and be patient. Oh, wow. Like that's way more like me. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but I personally like envy people that can check themselves in like so wholly. Even though it's like so maybe more painful when it breaks off. Yeah. If it does. But I also just I, I think it's such a like pure of heart thing to be able to, like, jump in to something that wholeheartedly. Like, I want to be more like that, almost. What was the relationship that really fucked you up, then? Was was there one? Well, it wasn't even, like, a proper relationship. I was seeing someone who I just, again, idolised. Like, pedestal. My God, what a, like, absolute God. God's gift to (laughs) women. (laughs) I don't know. And... Yeah, I, 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 it was it was when I first moved to London, so it was like literally like five years ago or something. Right. And we were, I was seeing, knew him for years, friends with him, was seeing him, and then he was like seeing my friend at the same time, okay. and I didn't know about that, and it was like this awful kind of, like the closest thing to like a John Tucker must die. Like, uh, <laughs> right. I remember like meeting up with his friend, I was like, oh, you know, he he wasn't the kind of person that you like. It wasn't the kind of person that you started going out with and, like, told all your friends about. Because right. they would just, like, talk you right out of that. So, when I found out that he was seeing my friend, I went to meet up with her. And we were, like, sat on her bed. And I was like, oh, I've been seeing for, like, two months. And she was like, that's fucking crazy because I've been seeing him for two months oh as well. Oh, my God, Ola. And I was like, woo! <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. It really was, like... I mean, I've, I'm very lucky to have, like, relatively drama free life but that was like pretty that was like a lot so i think i just became like a lot of people who go through things like that i just just you know had my like hangover of kind of trust issues and i think that made me just very kind of tentatively go into things did do you think that trust issue thing then affected your next relationship oh 100 percent, and friendships and like work relationships things at least like, that's a conscious thought at least you're aware of that now i am but yeah do you make a conscious effort now then going into future things to be like no i'm gonna be wholehearted about this i am gonna trust yeah this. i think i will now right i think i will now or i want to be i just i mean there's no right or way wrong right no. that's a good sentence there's no right or wrong way to do anything but like i when i see people who can just like love someone with their like every like cell in them yeah i just think that's like such cool thing. you clearly have the capacity to do that you've done it yeah, it's just the person 100%. you did that with was a cunt yeah 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 100 percent. no i definitely have it in me i'm definitely like a romantic person i'm definitely like i'm not like you know i hate everyone or anything like that i think i just i was hit with that just at a really like formative time yeah. and I think that's all that it was I think if I went through that now I'd just be like god what a dick you know, yeah to be able to walk away from that but it just it got me in like a really vulnerable moment where I'd not lived in London for that long I'd not known that many people like I look back now and I see why it affected me so much because yeah. it's just like such a like formative time man that just sucks that that happened though can you mm. remember the last thing you did for someone you love yeah I was trying to think I think um so I, it's it's actually Lauren. Yeah. Um. Well, I, she. Um, For those who don't know, which oh, I'm yeah. sure is not anyone at all, but Lauren Aquilina, absolutely incredible human mm. slash musician. And now my housemate. And now her which housemate. Is a wonderful thing that's happened. And since she has started playing gigs again, I have been away, like so much on tours and stuff. So I've missed all of her like comeback headline shows two or three of them so i went to new york to go see her like, a couple of weeks ago oh my um, god well that, that, i mean it wasn't just for her it was like more for me than anything but yeah 
I she was doing a support tour for this um, amazing artist called Sasha Sloan. Do you know her? No, I don't. You'd like her. She's okay. like very cool. And yeah, Lauren was supporting on that run. And yeah, so in a way, it wasn't like you know this totally selfless thing of going to go to New York all the way for Lauren. Like it was for me as well. But um, that was like you know kind of anchored the whole yeah. trip. Yeah. Just like went over for a week and then got to see her in New York, which is like very surreal yeah. and like very emotional was it yeah well lauren came to see i play guitar for a girl called Dodie. yeah which is like separate to my artist project um and we played in la like she plays big theater the end like end of last year october or something and lauren was in la at the same time she came <laughs> she's gonna kill me for saying this but <laughs> at the end she was like so emotional and i was like what's wrong she was like like in floods of tears and she during the gig she'd been like i just can't believe like we just this was our dream and now i'm in la and i saw you up there and i was like it wasn't even my music like i wasn't even singing my songs and she was like it didn't matter like you were in this theater in la and i just like it was this weird thing and it all just hit me and we were just doing it and i was like wow and i can remember being like oh my god what a sap and then when i saw her in new york had the same thing i was just like bursting with so much pride like looking around at all these people who were like so into it people who didn't know her before because she was supporting and I was just like oh my heart is like so full watching this man what a beautiful so nice. like friendship to have like how um, cool is that yeah she's great friends are the fucking best I agree that's amazing and also like I don't know I I just like like I think that's very common like after a breakup to just like really cling on to the friendships that you do have and, and realise what you can get from each person but like what an amazing thing that like I don't know you're not gonna break up with a friend are you like you'll certainly have moments where you like be closer than other times and like I'm very lucky now that like, we get to live together so that's just like we get to spend time together anyway yeah because you just wake up and you're there but like I don't know that it, it may like yeah it just the whole thing's made me appreciate those friendships a yeah more, I like, oh. I felt the same way even after mum as well when you when you've got like a, a severe like loss of love mm-hmm. everyone else that does love you jump in to fill that quota up mm-hmm. and you're so you're never like lacking love because everyone's like right they need it jump in and it's the most amazing thing to see because even after <coughs> um, this breakup just had like a breakup party the next day like everyone came round they were there for me like that I love that I know bringing like wine and snacks and I was just like fuck me I've got such an amazing support network so it's it is often in those really gross times that you realize how amazing Mm. your friends and family are do you watch do you watch Fleabag no what is it oh my god why have I never heard of it oh my god so have you seen Killing Eve Oh, no, but I've heard of it. Okay. Apparently it's amazing. Okay, yeah, so it is. There's this um, writer, actor, amazing woman called Phoebe Waller-Bridge that I'm, like, so obsessed with. Okay. And her series that she is the, like, protagonist in, and she's also written it, it's called Fleabag. It's, like, a BBC thing on iPlayer or whatever. You have... I really think you'd love it. I, like, don't, like, ever recommend series for people, like, barely, like, watch TV. I don't know. I'm not, like... Right. Into all these series necessarily, but this is, like... <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> but this is like, I really, really think you'd love this. Okay, it's, I'm going to write just, it down. It's amazing. Fleabag. Fleabag. And I mean, what a cool name. So good. And that's the that's the, act, that's the character's name. She's called Fleabag. And okay. she, it's like, if you take all the kind of like tragic British self-deprecating nature of something like Bridget Jones, but it's like way more like gritty and real. And the character is like, it's like so funny, but it's also like so tragic. Anyway, one of the things that happens is... Fleabag is maybe in her 30s and she's got a best friend called Boo. Fleabag and, and Boo. Fleabag and Boo. Amazing. Amazing. And the characters, Fleabag's mum passes away and they show the funeral. This isn't really a spoiler, but you find out pretty soon in it. Um, and she's, it's just, oh, it breaks my heart. She has this conversation with her friend where they're, like, just having, like, a glass of wine after the funeral. And she turns to her friend, Boo, and she's just, like, I just have so much love now and I just, like, don't know where to put it. Oh. And I was, like, oh. And then this fr- best friend was just, like, give it to me. Oh. And she's, like, so, like, means it in the most, like, and she's, like, just give it to me. And then they're kind of, like, laughing about it. And she's, like, no, I could really use it. Like, please give it to me. 
like it sounds wonderful what you have like just give it to me wow and then they're just like go on and be best friends it's got stuff, goosebumps so. it's really good you'd love it yeah okay I'm I've gonna just, watch that I've just got to the end of it I'm like very sad really so, yeah. I hate when a fucking series ends it's amazing okay give me another number um 56 okay hey this is interesting what do you imagine people say when they gossip about you <laughs> oh my god my worst nightmare <laughs> i know me too oh wow um god gossip is the interesting word isn't it because mm. that like implies that it should be bad mm. it's not just like let's do talk. good and bad god what do i imagine they say that's a hard know. one isn't it it's like something i actively avoid thinking about <laughs> really great i've just completely asked you to think about it no no that's a good thing do you have an answer while I think um, of mine? Yeah, I'll, I'll say mine. Um, I imagine people... And this is only because I know that I have tried to self-reflect so much that I'm just thinking about all my kind of faults. Mm-hmm. But um, I've had friends say to me that I'm pretty bad with, like, follow-through. And that is definitely true. Not, not in a friendship way, but... Um, I'll start something with like the absolute love of it and got all these ideas and then after like two wait two weeks I'll just be like oh yeah no I kind of forgot about it like I'm bored of it now mm. um and I think that can be like I yeah in some ways I can not be very consistent um and I also think I can yeah a people pleaser I think that kind of annoys people a bit cuz I can be so like so wanting everyone to be happy that people are like just get a fucking backbone just say what you want to do mm. especially when it comes to birthdays <laughs> my birthday because I genuinely want everyone to have a good time my like best birthday is just to do what everyone else wants to do because mm-hmm. that will make me feel happy mm-hmm. but I think that can annoy people too because they're like for fuck's sake Kate, it's your birthday stop being such a dick about that I don't think that's not having a backbone. I feel like that's quite harsh. <laughs> I'm probably saying that myself. I don't think anyone's actually said that to me, but this is what I imagine. Um, and then... Uh, that's interesting that you say about the just say what you want thing. I think that is probably something I could imagine someone saying about me. I don't really? think I'm like a great... because Again, it's like an offset of kind of being a people pleaser, but I don't think I'm great at communicating. But particularly when I'm not, like, I'm so bad at saying when I'm not okay. Really? Yeah, to anyone. Friends, family, whoever I'm with. Like, I am so quick to be like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Like, even if it's, like, clearly not, I am so uh, kind of dismissive of any kind of messy feelings. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. We, again, Probably because like, I don't want to be a burden. Like it, I think it all, almost all of it stems back to the people pleasing thing. You know, right. like, wouldn't want to be a burden on that person. So I think I'm doing it subconsciously, and then I'm trying to like wire myself to get better at it. But yeah, even in my like, I think back to times where I can clearly see that I wasn't in a good place, and but my what I was saying was like, oh, it's fine, everything's fine. Right. How are you? Yeah, fine. It takes someone that knows me really well to be like, no, you're you not. are clearly not. Yeah. Fine. But as well, you, you are clearly a very good friend to your close friends. Like, and can you imagine them being like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm absolutely fine. I don't want to be a burden." You'd be like, "You fucking idiot!" Tell yeah, me. yeah, I would want to be that person, and I do think I'm a good friend. I think the flip side of what I like, nice things I feel people that know me would say, or not really gossip, but I do think I'm like a loyal person, and I think I make an effort with people. I wholeheartedly um, agree with that. You could have dropped me years ago, <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. No, it's, that's that kind of that's important to me though. Although, like, it, I don't know, it's important it to me too. I don't know, keep in touch with people, not just keep in touch, and it's not for them necessarily. I just like I get so much from seeing people that I like, so it's not like a selfless thing. But that's the good side of it. But a bad side, and it's something I get frustrated on myself over. It. It's just like yeah so bad at communicating yeah because you're kind of so like... bad at like again i hate like fights difficult conversations will do like anything i can to avoid them like, yeah i look up to people who are just so direct straight talking yeah. and direct i'm just like what is that like 
And again, like, did you, was that like ever a thing growing up? Were you like trying to avoid conflict or make family situations okay? Like, was that ever a thing? Do you remember yeah, that being a thing? I don't. Or I in mean, school? I, yeah, I never liked conflict in school. I went to an all girls school. Same. Fun. Fun. <laughs> what a weird social experiment that was. <laughs> um, and I think girls, the way they fight with each other is so horrible yeah and we like had a neighboring boys school and at it at, at an age not when you get too old but when you're like 12 13 14 15 there would just be loads of times where like they would all just like punch each other all the boys in the boys school and i remember be, everyone being so horrified and all i could think was like god that seems like a way healthier way of dealing with conflict than what we're all doing in this school which is right. like bitchy like game playing like these arguments are drawn out over weeks and like people are used as like little pawns and like people are ganging up on other yeah. people and like I'm gonna sit beside her in mats and then oh I'm gonna really fuck with her tomorrow I'm gonna sit beside this person and just leave her guessing it was just so like so manipulative and yeah. horrible and I think I don't know I, I I didn't really get involved in it but I saw that I mean I was involved in this sometimes but I think I just think girls are horrible yeah um, yeah, I just don't. Yeah, because I, I wish I wish I'd gone to a yeah school. I think um, I think the way people deal with conflict and like fight, not even like fighting necessarily, but like getting to the heart of what's actually wrong and talking about it can stem so much from the way they saw their parents argue, mm. or even if they did or didn't. Because mm. I was talking to Kino about it, and she said that um, you know they they never really had that those kind of things weren't discussed it was always kind of done on the outside so she never really knew how to have those conversations till much later on in life right um, yeah I do think there's a little bit of that in our family like I'm very close to my family and they're amazing but I do think and I think it's a very Irish thing as well I do think we don't talk about big important things okay I do think we have like a dialogue that sits like for the most part like very on the surface and we don't like we don't dislike each other. There's no, like, big conflict in my family. I'm, like, very lucky. My parents are still together. Like, everyone loves each other. But I do think there's, like... It's just a lot of, like, surface-level chat. And maybe that's because we all have a little bit of that kind of people-pleasing. No one wants to cause any issues. No one wants to say anything controversial at the dinner table. It's all just sort of... There is a certain kind of, like, how was your day? Ness ah. to the whole thing. So maybe that's something I've just carried through. Yeah. A little and, bit. And you think maybe that's an Irish thing? I think so. Maybe it's a kind of British thing as well, but like I just know a lot of. I just think there's a lot of attitude at home and a lot of families and friends that I know where their families will be like, oh, wouldn't want to be difficult. Let's just, yeah. you know, it, keep up appearances yeah. for the parish. Like, everything's <laughs> fine. You know, I do think maybe, maybe not specifically Irish, but like I just knew a lot of families at home that were like that. They didn't have big issues they were hiding, but they just never but spoke it, yeah, about was... like real stuff. Yes. For fear of. An argument or a difficult conversation. Yeah, totally. I think, to be fair, I think that's got to be as well a family generic thing, maybe. Mostly, 100%. probably not all. But the people I, I know have... of parents who are so open are just open people. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how much I envy that. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to kind of bring into my family now. Because mm-hmm. me and mum were very, very open people. Mm. But now she's gone, I'm like, okay... I'm, I'm clearly the one that can mediate all the time. And hence why I kind of got my dad on the podcast, because I was like... Did you? Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't hear yeah, that Yeah, it one. just came out a couple, yesterday, I think. Um, it's kind of, you know, any relationships that may have been a bit damaged over the last kind of, like, what, however many years. I'm like, now's the time. Because, you know, when you, when you lose someone, you really do start to see, like... <gasps> <laughs> we both just sneezed on this podcast now. Any sneeze fetish people out there, you've got what you want. Yeah, there's your soundbite. I don't think that exists. Um, yeah, when you lose someone, you really do kind of gain perspective and you're like, there is no point in just having these surface level conversations with my family anymore because A, I don't see you all that much often now. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm like, there's there's clearly unresolved stuff. There's clearly stuff that we could connect on, we could learn from each other on. Like, we're the closest people to each other. Mm. Why not have those potentially difficult and weird conversations? So I'm trying to facilitate that mm-hmm. in my family. But I can have these conversations with friends. I can have this conversation mm-hmm. with you so easily. Mm-hmm. But, 
you know, put me in a room with my brother, mm-hmm. someone I've grown up with, and I'll be like, oh, this is fucking weird and awkward. Mm. But probably just because there's so much history, isn't there? It's exactly that. There's history and there's... I don't know why. It just feels difficult with family. Yeah, I agree. My sister's really good at it, and I think she's almost become the mediator in our family of just... I don't know, heavier conversations. She's really, really good at instigating that, and I would love to be more like that. Because I just... The families that I've all grew up so envious of were families where, like, the parents were just so open. And, like, when you were, like, getting your first boyfriends and girlfriends, like, the kind of conversation... Like, the families where they could communicate all that to their parents so, like, freely. And there was just this dialogue about all those things that could be so difficult. Like, that's the kind of family I would want to have. I would make, like, such a point of it being that open. And I would make such a point of telling them I love them every single day. I'm so jealous of families that do that. Yeah. What, did you not feel like you got that? I felt the love, but, like, I just think it's so nice when you hear someone, especially someone in their, like, 20s, 30s, who are, like, on the phone to their mom and just go, love you. I just think it's so nice. I don't know. Yeah, man. such a simple thing, but I think that's, like, so nice. It's definitely, it's, it's so important. And I... I think having had that so much from my mum, now that's gone. Bless my dad, like salt the earth, love him. Mm. But he's not the best with emotions. Mm. He doesn't, and he he'd be the first person to say that too. But so, it's yeah, we don't you don't really have those kind of conversations. Like Mm. whereas mum was just so like she couldn't wait to get you in the room so she could tell you how much she loved you type thing. And that's a yeah, I think that's such a wonderful. Thing to have and I think it's good as well to even even if you're aware of those things within your family to be like okay I'm gonna make an effort next time I see them all I'm going to tell each one of them that mm. I love them because fuck me they deserve to know type mm. thing I like that easier said than done there of course true that okay another question okay um let's do a low number like seven okay no one's picked seven before all right Oh, this is a good one. What has been your biggest challenge in your life so far and how did you overcome it? Wow. Biggest challenge? God, that's a good question. And it is a a good good answer. Um, I think the biggest challenge, particularly, and it kind of ties in with like doing music as a job, is kind of about self-worth and about like, convincing myself that I deserve to be happy is that what I mean yeah it kind of is what I mean I think again I I keep saying it's an Irish thing and I don't think it is but like Irish humor I think and it's like a step even further than British humor is very like based on just like taking each other down and it's so funny I remember like bringing friends from London over at home and like my two friends from school would just be like talking to each other and like did you live you fucking left the house and that you look like fucking state and like all my friends from London were like are they having a fight and I was like no they're just greeting each other like we (laughs) are so dry and brutal and like cruel to each other and it's so funny but the flip side of that and where it gets kind of nasty I think is when you want to do a job that's a bit unusual, like put yourself on stage or be an artist or a songwriter or start an app or be a videographer or something that's just a bit out there, unusual. <clears throat> something with notions, as we say, at home. Um, I think the attitude towards that is like the cruelty of taking each other down is still there. And I think ah. the attitude I kind of saw in other people when I wanted to be a musician particularly when you're right at the beginning which is such a vulnerable spot you're just like you you want to do it but you're not quite there and you Mm -hmm. don't have the infrastructure or the team or the tools to do it but you know you want to and like I experienced a lot of like oh well good for you you want to be on stage you must think you're fucking great like not said that bluntly but I think the attitude was like hmm she wants to be on stage you know which is a huge part of why I wanted to come to somewhere like London where I mean everyone and their mother wants to be a musician there it's not like it's easy but like at least it's not weird yeah so I think because of my experience at home I like went through the last couple years of school being so embarrassed about music and so embarrassed about wanting that as a career that I just didn't talk about it ever and then I think 
I just had all this like weird, I don't know, like a weird Catholic guilt or I don't know, something of like, oh, do I really deserve to have this like cool job? It's really quite self-indulgent. I'm not really like helping anyone. I'm not being a doctor or a lawyer. It's like actually really me, me, me. I think it's taken me like so long to overcome the idea of like, actually, I, like I've worked hard for this. That like, is so it. interesting. But yeah. Because I not music related but in my last relationship and it was something that I absolutely loved about our relationship because I think we're quite sarcastic dry people yeah and we love that that humor makes me laugh like it's so funny yeah and um me and Josh would tear each other down but it was always so so funny like Mm. it was one of my favorite bits about the relationship Mm. but I think when I when my self-esteem was gradually lowering Mm. I was like, however much I love this, it's probably really not good for me anymore to be hearing, like, and it was always, it was always in love, like, that was how we kind of communicated, and it was love, but, um, or maybe it wasn't, (laughs) but, but, no, but it was good natured, yeah, it was good natured, and towards the end, I was like, ah, and, and so, when my self, self self-esteem was probably at its lowest, I would start hearing those things as real. 100%. This is exactly the feeling that yeah. I mean. I just felt, not from one particular person, but I felt that at home as like a general vibe. Every time I introduced myself in a room of like, oh, I'm like, again, it's so specific to the point that I was at because I feel like now you just, you can own it after a point. But like there was so many years where people would be like, what, what do you do? And I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, I get to play music, I guess. You know, I wouldn't even be able to be like, I'm a musician. I wouldn't even be able to get that sentence out because I was just so, like, embarrassed. Wow. It was so silly. It is weird. It is. Like, it makes no sense, but it was just like, they're just, I felt at home this kind of little bit of, every time I did say that, a little bit of hostility and a little bit of like, oh, yeah. Was, especially moving to London, which is a massive cliche, like. Especially at home, if you want to like, if you're a musician, you move to London. It's like, right? Okay. It's your textbook. Do you still, when you like, go back home now? Do you still feel that? I mean, I guess you're doing so well. Well, this is it. I think there's, and that it's a little bit fickle, and it's no one's fault. But I do think, because I would like to like move back to Ireland eventually. I would definitely like move there. I'd love it. But there's definitely a shift in attitude when you've done a certain amount elsewhere and then you come back and there's this kind of hometown hero vibe not that I've reached that point but like I've seen it with other bands from home I think this is like not specific to Ireland it's anywhere but like when you've once you've proved yourself elsewhere you come home and it's like whoa it's like yeah that guy from that band is my cousin and it's like you never would have said that a couple years ago but it's like there's this ownership and it's like come on home and like let me get you a drink like I saw that you toured in America like that's so cool but I just think until you get to that point at home, I just experienced so much, like, wariness. It was, like... How, yeah, how weird. I don't know. And I think, again, a bit like you said about your dynamic with you and Josh, it's, like, it's all funny until you're... Until it's not. Exactly. And, like, and, and I think that was it. When I, when I had my weaker <laughs> moments in it, when I was, came over to London and I had to get a job and it just wasn't going well and I was managerless and not doing anything, those were, like, the the points where I, like heard all of the like funny like oh fucking oh she wants to be on stage like good for her I like heard that I heard those voices but in like a way more like yeah hostile way yeah and and at a point where I just couldn't like couldn't take it very well yeah and in and weirdly as well it's kind of kind of has to be you at that point to take responsibility for it because a they don't know when it's suddenly gone too far that's the (coughs) way they've always and also i can like give it as much as i can take it yeah same same i'm not saying like oh my god i'm such a like sensitive soul and you can never like joke around me like i love that like i'm so dry and i love that sense of humor and i love people taking each other down it's just it's just when i get into like a bad point where i'm like oh no i can't take it like yeah and that that's where it comes really interesting though because obviously that person doesn't know but it's only when you start hearing those things badly that you're like oh crap this is actually affecting me Mm. that it's a wake-up call for you like hang on a minute this never used to affect me so clearly something is happening with me now like this is my thing because mm. nothing has changed externally do you know what I mean um, yeah, it's like the idea of like I always come back to the idea of like owning it you know yeah like what was the question again because I want to answer it better in a, in <laughs> what a was sentence. the biggest challenge that you've faced and how did you overcome it yeah like the biggest challenge is 
learn it like has been learning to own it like learning to own the fact that I want to be a musician and that I if I work hard enough for it that I like deserve that just that it's been such a massive fucking thing fuck yeah it shouldn't be but like I'm it's so cool to hear you say that though and to be honest about that because I, I think it's something be... like you've interviewed a lot of American people mm-hmm. I think it's something a huge generalization I don't know why I keep bringing all these country things but like I think Americans generally do that so much better. Yeah, I agree. Especially in something like music. Do you listen to that And The Writer Is podcast? No. It's like this podcast where this guy just interviews loads of big songwriters, like pop writers. And it's not that they're not humble. They're all really successful by virtue of being on the podcast, but they're able to like talk about their journeys and they're able to just be like, I'm out here every day. I'm hustling. I work harder than anyone in this town. I deserve this. And it's like, God, to have, like, an ounce of that would be amazing. Whereas I think the attitude over here is, like, again, this embarrassment, this, like, oh, I guess I'm a musician. I just sort of fell into it. It all just kind of happened to me. And, like, sometimes that's true, but it's, like, I really struggle to to admit that I work hard for it and that I, like, stay up late doing all this shit and that I, like... It's, like, why is that so hard to admit? That's so true. And I think, as well, that comes down to just a general fear of really giving too much of a shit about what people think mm-hmm. like you want people to think that you're really grateful you want people to think that you're really humble and oh yeah no I guess I'm good yeah like, yeah no one wants to sit there and be like do you know what I actually really am fucking good at this yeah. even though that's how we should be it's amazing 100% when I meet it. someone that's like that I'm just like god that's amazing yeah it's so cool it's so it's just, refreshing yeah I'm just not hardwired like that but I'd like to be you know, that's all, and that's all we can do though is recognize where we'd like to be and be like, cool, let's take mm. steps to do that. Like, even with this podcast, it's it's kind of awkward and embarrassing because you're starting something new and it's something completely different to music, and mm-hmm. you're asking people that are doing better than you in quote, you know what I mean, to kind of come on it, and it's a bit awkward. And what if they think, oh, it's this cute little new thing she's trying? But <laughs> you re- like you said, you really have to own it, and and like. I really, I think I'm good at this and I enjoy it and like it's fun and like why the hell should I not just fucking go for it? Mm. It's cool though, like what an amazing point to end on it. A couple of Instagram follower questions. Sick. Okay, so, oh, that's just me talking. Let's get rid of that. Okay, so Iris loves cats. We all do, Iris. <laughs> says, how do you relax while slash after touring for so long? Must be exhausting with the constant adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the weirdest thing about touring at any level because I feel like I've experienced it at a couple different levels the last few months. Like, Dodie's tours are bigger. There's, like, a big team. We're on a sleeper bus. It's, like, my own tours are, like, way more what you spoke about all hands on deck loading up upstairs like no rest mm-hmm. this it keeps you like very humble because you could play a show to however many people and have a great time and then you're like i really got i have to go and pack <laughs> yeah. my guitars because no one else is going to do it so i feel like i've ex- experienced that at, like different levels of yeah. comfort and in different capacities but it is the weirdest thing when i explain to people about touring is like it's the fact that you have to be your most on at like 9 p.m it's like in what other world do you have to be like stalling and conserving your energy kind of all day and then you have to like be really on at a really unnatural time and then naturally like you can be so disciplined and good but you're just never gonna get to sleep that's so true it's not even if you don't like drink or go out or anything it's like even if you didn't enjoy the gig it's not even about like oh my god this is the most amazing feeling and i can't it's coursing through my veins it's just like you're just having to be so alert at like 10. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. I think that's why you just don't get that much sleep. Um, but what I do after the tours, I don't know, there's always like a post tour like slump for me. And again, it doesn't everyone. even doesn't even matter like how much you enjoyed it. It's not really about it being the best thing ever and the worst thing ever. It's just like such a specific experience. It is. It's so up and down and unless you do it, it's very hard to understand yeah I think it's just a sense of purpose falling away that's the only that's the only thing that I can like I feel almost all musicians really like again even if touring isn't for you it's like the straightforwardness of like there's a show tonight you know what you're doing the show has to happen whether I'm like in a good mood or a bad mood 
the soundtrack will be at four and the show will be at eight. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. it's all, it's, no, I think there's just so much like structure and there's so much like comfort. In and that. then when the structure's gone, you're a bit like, you just feel fuck? a bit like flailing around. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, I think, I think every musician on the planet could describe themselves as failing at some point that's mm. like the perfect word for it because you just feel like you're floating around like you like, can write like you get up and you're like oh i feel like i should write or i feel like i should do this but i could do it tomorrow exactly that's the thing. when you, you can't have, do yeah. touring yeah it just has to happen and that's kind of the cool bit about touring is that the structure that i kind of crave and envy people mm. in normal jobs you get that for a little while just t- a little bit touring and, and then as soon nice. as you get comfortable with it it's gone yeah yeah so I don't know. I've generally run away from that feeling. That's why I went to New York in between the yeah. daily tour and this tour. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, this is a good one. Print, princess Meg? <laughs> it's me. Um, what's been the most awkward gig you've played? Oh my God, wow. <laughs> God, that is good. The most awkward gig I've played... Oh man, I've got plenty. Please tell me one of yours while I think. (laughs) One of mine. I'd say awkward. It was more just... Probably a couple. There was one that we did, the Isle of Wight Festival. um, And I shit you not. I thought you were going to say, I shit myself. (laughs) That would be an awkward gig. Oh my God, I wish that was my story. But it's not. The stage was about the size of this table. And there were three of us in the band at this point. Um, it was one of those mics that wasn't like a boom. So you, like... Straight up. Yeah. Kind of just, just bashing awkward. it with the guitar. Exactly. Yeah. There's that. Um, the sound desk was like this big and was on the stage next to us. Um, the sound was just unimaginably awful. <laughs> Couldn't hear myself. Like it was, just, it was just so bad. And then... I see someone I used to go to school with walk no, in the room. And I'm no. like, for fuck's sake. And it's like what we were saying, like, you just started this new thing. Like, it's really cool. Or you really think it's cool anyway. And then some one of your old school friends comes in and is like, this is literally awful. It's the worst gig I've ever played. But then there was also one, I think it was another festival um, in Devon, Beach Break or something. Oh, God. And <laughs> we were in a pub. Sounds awful. It's already awful. We're it's in a pub. The worst thing. Uh, you can assume basically that the sound is always terrible when yeah. I'm talking about these gigs because it's just awful. And I was playing Family Tree, which is obviously so personal and in depth and real. And there's just fucking hordes of like men, like lads, men, men, men. And I get to be honest, it was probably more funny towards the end because I was just laughing. Like, this is so hilariously awful. But they were like, lads, lads, lads. And I'm there like, my mom, my... Like, it was just oh, so... God. And, like, it, it is funny, but only once you've left the situation. But at the time, you're oh, like... Oh, you definitely want let, to die in that yeah, moment. Yeah, the ground's I've just out. remembered. I'm glad that you mentioned a festival because I would have forgot about festivals if you hadn't said that. Um, I played this festival called Goat Fest. <laughs> It's already wonderful. I think I go through like different stages with gigs and I was in a stage where I was like, I am in a position to say no to nothing. Every gig we gotta do. This was last year I was getting back into gigging and I was just like, who am I to turn down anything? Like, let's just play it all. I wanna get good at gigging. We played this thing called Goat Fest. It was truly the worst fucking thing I can imagine. I mean, the, I sh- the name should have been a giveaway. I don't even know why it was called GoFest. We actually made a <coughs> joke backdrop. Um, they were, like, set in advance. There was, like, a projector behind the screen. So you can, like, just send us, like, your logo. And I, like, jokingly made a version of my logo, like, little goats, like, all <laughs> over it. Sent it them as a joke. They put it up. <laughs> So I walked on stage and this like my name is there with all these like flying goats and I was like this can't be real. Also the crucial point was that it was lashing rain onto the stage. It was an angled wind that was like blowing everything into our face. We've got all these like laptop on stage running track, SPD, I've got pedals. So Pete who plays with me was like we can't play this gig. Our gear is going to get destroyed. I bet this gear like I can imagine this you know this festival is so fucking bootleg. It's not going to have a like <laughs> like an insurance policy yeah. like this is just a local f- festival run by volunteers like they're not gonna know what to do if right. all gear gets destroyed so we're like talking to this guy who runs it in stage who's like day drunk and wearing like a pirate hat and he's like you guys ready to go on and pete's like i don't like we're like we'll do everything we can but like we're really worried about our gear so 
we had to like bag up all of our pedals in this like plastic sheets oh my god like massive plastic bags were like over our pedal boards and then the laptop was like hidden in behind the drum riser and it was like pelting rain onto my face like my my, my hair was like <laughs> stuck and I was like a drowned rat and we're there trying to like run in ears trying to like do oh the full fucking works and I yeah there's probably like five people there like no one ever no one that had bought tickets for the festival had showed up because it was lashing, lashing rain oh my lord and I think we played like two songs and then eventually I had to just be like I'm out of we it. gotta leave like that I'm is... just worried about all the gear and also like this sucks oh, God. so it, again I, I'm assuming the sound was awful you couldn't hear yourself etc et oh yeah I mean actually that wasn't even the worst bit because we'd like gone all out and brought our like lovely front of house guy oh, okay, and, like, right. done the inners we'd almost like we'd almost oh we've gone o- over the top right it, yeah it was so it was so degrading but it was also hilarious and I hadn't been playing with I've been playing with Pete a lot but my drummer Sarah was like, that was, God, maybe her second or third gig with us. And I just remember, like, turning around to her and she was like, oh, what got, like, rain on the face, rain on the gear. And she was like, this is mental. But she was in such good spirits that it was, like, a real camaraderie thing for all of yeah. us. Like, I was like, I immediately knew in that moment. I was like, she is wonderful. Wow. Because ne- no one was, No one else would have put up with that. <laughs> no one in the band was like, we're not going on. They wow. were just like, we'll do whatever you want to do. Let's just try a few songs, see how it goes. And I was like, oh my God, you guys are amazing. Yeah, that's like, fucking cool. You, they could have just... Ride or die. They would have been well within their right to be like, fuck this. I'm wow. not bringing my like thousands of pounds of gear onto this. Like, yeah. Like, I can't, like, the laptop was sitting in a pool of water. The pedal board... Like, it was lashing rain. It was so laughable that they even put anyone on the stage. <laughs> Did they introduce you as all a Goatland or... No, but I should have put that on the logo. I yeah. still can't believe they put that logo at the back. I need to show you a picture of it. Like I, I sent it. I sent it the one with the goats and just the one on my name, being like, "Ha ha, go fest!" Like you know, here's a jokey one that I made, yeah. and we walked on stage, and that was the one that I That's put on the projector. It was really grim. <laughs> well, real moment. Thank you so much for coming on and for answering my stupid questions. Thank you for having me. And I just love you so much. And go and listen to All Are On Spotify. Get her EP out on May the 24th. Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> just get the EP out and just stare at it for a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Ola. Thank you. Round of applause for us. My God, I love that woman. Orla, thank you so much for coming on here and chatting to me and for bearing your soul for all. It means a lot. And guys, if you like the podcast and you like the episode, feel free to let me know by leaving a rating or a review or just DM me on Instagram at We Dive Deeper. We're doing some new things over there each week. We've got hashtag dive deep. I ask you guys some of these questions and I get to know you. And I just really want to encourage more people to have these kind of conversations and to reflect on why they think things and why they feel things because it's so important to get to know yourself better and in doing so you can make the world a better place because you become less reactive and more proactive let me know what you're learning about yourself at the moment i'd love to know hit me up on all social media did i just say hit me up apparently i did i cannot be cool anymore i think i've passed the point of being cool and i'm officially an old woman i'm gonna leave it there And I hope you guys have an awesome couple of weeks and I'll see you soon. Bye.